my friends and cronies, a quiet, mighty mouth, Casey Quinlan, is deafening. We'll need some time to get used to it. Meanwhile, let's watch and listen to clips from four podcast episodes Casey, my dear friend, supporter, and ruckus-making partner and I jointly published when one or both of us felt like crap, but had enough energy between us to share something with our loyal followers. Brace yourselves for some bittersweet moments. I needed a hanky while producing. Hey, 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 ladies, gents, and gender-fluid friends. It's time again for Healthcare is Hilarious. Yes, it's me, Casey Quinlan, Mighty Casey on the interwebs, with another snark-filled hot take on healthcare. Let's make fun of the ridiculous, give credit to the awesome, working always to make you laugh and think at the same time. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. <music> We've spoken every few weeks. Casey hasn't been feeling well. She hasn't been publishing her podcast. She recently discovered recurrence of her breast cancer with metastasis. We agreed to record a chat. I'd edit, and we'd both publish it. We recorded on May 28, 2021. Casey published the same day. Danny Van L plus Casey Q sitting around talking. I published on June 6th. See link in the show notes. So greetings and salutations. Greetings. I love seeing you. It's not bad to be seen. I will say that I'm not feeling like myself lately. It's not that I've been hiding out, but I just haven't really had the, I don't know, the bandwidth, the emotional pick one, whatever, to really be as much of a public persona as I typically am. And also because I have very little understanding of what the fuck is even going on. I know what's going on, but what the outcome or the impact of what I'm doing is whether or not that's having any impact on my overall survival time. No one knows. And we won't know for a while. I feel like I'm being shoved through a pipe and I'm just being shoved through a pipe. And here I am in the pipe. So say more about what does that mean? Being shoved well, for those who may be coming to this cold, I have spent the last, since August of last year, chasing what appeared to be a back problem that just was bedeviling me and didn't seem to be giving into physical therapy or exercise or any of the usual stuff. And as a result of that, nothing worked and everything made it worse. The stuff that had typically fixed it previously, only made it worse, swimming, et cetera. And so that was disturbing. And then 
I guess in March, early March, an MRI revealed that there was some metastatic mess going on in my lumbar spine. And so it was like, oh, really? And it turns out I have a recurrence of breast cancer. And so here I am with the metastatic cancer diagnosis. And I still have terrible mobility issues. I'm still not fixed on the spinal side. There's some argument, um, both from my perspective and also from the professional perspective about how much of this is due to cancer process and how much of it is a separate issue that has to do with the fact that my spine is a mess. I think it's a little bit of both. Sitting isn't terrible, but it's, I do need to move around. I'm thinking about, okay, so the ways to move around are to be carried, to be in a chair, to walk. And so it sounds to me like you're saying that any of that in large doses is problematic. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, getting in and out of the house, is an adventure. I do it. Yeah. But the stairs out front are a thing. Yeah. Again, it's not something I want to do more than once a day. Usually I try to limit out of the house medical appointments to either once a day or put them in a clump and then I'll leave the house and go and do be hit or yawn and then I'll go out once and come back once and that's it. And, you know, right now there's not a lot going on. I went, I did do, I had radiation treatment for a couple of weeks and that was a daily deal. Okay. And oh, so it was like trying to get outside every day and navigate right. the steps and all that. My sister's here, which has been an absolute blessing because otherwise I'd be screwed. Because you live you know. by yourself. Yeah, I do live. And right now I am not really able to live alone just because of the mobility stuff. Yeah. Yesterday, I went back to the spinal specialist that I had been planning on working with until we got the metastatic cancer diagnosis. Surprise! And back in, in March. And so I reopened that conversation yesterday and it's okay. Now that we've gone down the cancer rabbit hole and we're doing that, and that's ongoing, how about we readdress the idea that Casey might be able to get up and fucking walk again at some point? Let's not ignore that. Are you like pissed off? I wouldn't say I'm pissed off. Okay. I'm bemused. Bemused. I like that word. Not pleased. We'll just say that Casey is not pleased at the idea of a stage four cancer diagnosis. Again, because I know so many people who have been on the receiving end of those various types, it's it's not as though I feel as though I'm the only schmuck in the universe that's gotten stuck with this, not far from it. And also that it's like I'm supposed to go home and die now. No, death is inevitable for all of us. And who knows, I could be seeing like the end of my line, as it were, but not as though that's happening this week or even this month. I'm not feeling as though I'm about to shuffle off, but who knows? Because death is, by the way, an inevitable outcome for all of us. No one gets out of here alive in case you missed the memo. It's still only a theory. It's not something that I figure is happening this week right. or this month right. or possibly even this year. But the fact that I'm now at the point of eyeballing my mortality pretty squarely, it's so high. How you doing? Yeah. How are you? Yeah. Guess what? Hey there. <laughs> so are you bored? Like you, you're a, such an active person. We'll say that not being able to do much is not 
my usual. This is wearing me out that I'm tired. I'm just full on tired, but I'm also tired of not being able to move and tired of feeling nailed to the perch. But it, it, I have to hope that it's at least addressable. Yeah. And so that's where I'm sitting in my head Mm -hmm. right now. Find the problem you can solve and then go for that. And, or find the problem you can attack, whether or not curing metastatic cancer, maybe there's a big eraser and maybe this eraser that we're using, maybe it's working. I don't know. Or at least it's erasing it enough that who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. That's one of those things. Okay. I'm doing what I can. In other words, I'm following my treatment plan. I'm doing what's on the list and we'll see where we end up. Yeah, honey. That's a lot. It's true. And that's you know, in the meme, the meme speak of our times. Welcome to the third millennium. Yes, it's a lot, whatever it can. Any of it can be a lot. And yes, I've got a lot going on right now. But again, it's it's not as though I'm in any way trying to minimize or push away the impact or importance of what it is I'm dealing with. But the fact that I'm not alone in this. Yes. First of all, I'm not alone because I know a lot of people give a shit and are out there pulling for me. Oh, absolutely. Which makes a big difference. Trust me. It, it I does. know what's there and it makes a big difference. Episode 127 was a matter-of-fact cold Sunday with an oh-crap sauce. Then it melted into the hospital for pain management and electrolyte level setting. We recorded this number 132 on August 1st, 2021. Casey rallied with self-reflection and advocacy, still with that biting humor. Casey published Hashtag Mets Party Goes to the Hospital on July 3rd, and I published on July 11th. Links in the show notes. So, you're home. Why'd you go in? I had not grasped this because you onboard a lot of information when you end up in a situation like, oh, let's say a stage four cancer thing. There are lots of information aimed at your head. I do like to think that I retain a lot of it, but it doesn't all stick. Yes. And I don't know that I've gotten the memo that somewhere around 25% of the people who end up on the drug that I'm on, which is a Pfizer drug that's specific to hormone positive breast cancer, particularly recurrence and later stage, they start you with a dosage of 100 milligrams. And it looks like that dosage is too high for me. Okay. The, about 25%, I think, or at least this is the information that I've grokked so far, about 25% of us who end up on this medication end up with some kind of GI gastrointestinal impacts. I was dehydrated. I called 911. No one had to do that for me. I did it for myself. Because I knew that I was in trouble. This wasn't getting, it wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse. I did not know that it was going to be five days, four nights or whatever it was. But comes the EMS crew and out the door. 
and I was there. So when you went to the hospital, was your pain managed at home? Or not, it wasn't like not managed at all. But what I was taking, I had been on five milligrams of oxy, just a tablet, oxy every as needed. And then the palliative care bunch bumped that up to 10 milligrams every three hours. And just again, a tablet. But in the hospital, the last couple of days I was there, they switched me to a 10 milligram, 12 hour extended release that turns out to be, at least so far, that's been the, because it's, I can now actually get up and walk with my walker. Okay. That was, oh. you know, I could take a couple steps before, but it was not pretty. And yeah. now it's still, it's not like I'm doing a Rockettes kick line, do not mistake me, but getting back in the pool is something that seems possible now. Yes. Whereas until a couple of weeks ago, that was not feeling like it was on the list of Shit right. Could end up doing. When I talked to you briefly, when you just got home, you were committed to not leaving the house for a few days. Weeks. Okay. And okay, that's working. So I'm just, I'm going to be 100% that bitch. And I will now take a short break to mention the fact that I recognize my privilege, deeply recognize my privilege as an old person who elected to go with original Medicare, not that Medicare Advantage managed care mess, but original Medicare. I had a broker work with me to pick the right plan for me. And it just, but knowing all of that, all, yeah, I didn't have to pay the broker. The insurer, the people who sell the supplements or whatever, pay the broker. Most elders, the people who are aging into Medicare don't know that this kind of stuff is available to them as services, help, guidance, consulting, pick one. But because I knew this. So anyway, I have really good Medicare. We'll put it that way. And not that it pays for every last little thing. It will not pay all of the ambulance that brought me home on Saturday. But again, grateful for privilege. I'm in a position to be able to pay that. It'll probably be 600 to a thousand bucks. Well, but it's fine. I can do that. And I am grateful that I'm in the position to be able to do that because that way, when I got home, I didn't have to navigate the stairs. They brought me into the apartment. They didn't have to carry me to my bed. They got me in the door. How was it being on the receiving end of hospitalists? I can't say that I got hospitalisted to a fairly well by any stretch. There was one hospitalist, a woman who came and was there a few times. Yeah. And she did what she needed to do. And I think she was the one that put me on the extended release pain med. Okay. So that was thumbs up to the hospital crew doing that. And in concert with the palliative care and the ONC team. Because my palliative care and my oncology team also came to see me in the hospital. Oh, they did. So how did you, what was your view of the coordination of care then? It was on me, but none of that was a surprise. It's like knowing that the person in the bed or the person who's in the room with the person in the bed needs to be the care coordinator or participate (sighs) in care coordination. It's you just got to know that going in. And it's not as though there will be no care coordination if you don't do that. The yawning gaps happen when the people on the receiving end aren't paying as much attention as the people on the dispensing end. It always seemed to me like as a nurse or 
whatever, is that it was so much to ask. You don't get in the hospital unless you're pretty messed up. And it's really hard to focus. Right. Because you're just gazing at your navel because you're in misery. Now a word about our sponsor, A Bridge. Record your healthcare conversations with doctors and other clinicians with A Bridge. Push the big pink button and record. Read the transcripts or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Let me know how it went. I'd been feeling poorly. Lots of pain affecting my mobility, ability to play my berry sax, and my mental health wasn't that good. I was struggling to put out my podcast, and Casey reached out to me. Let's record together again. What a love. We recorded on August 7th, 2021. Casey published hashtag Mets Party, Danny and Casey Talking Altered States on August 21st, and I published Normal, A Dryer Setting on August 29th. Again, links in the show notes. I had something I wanted to talk about with you. Okay. Okay. Both of us have been dealing with the up and down of altering states. What I'm interested in is this adjusting to this. The new reality, the new realities, new realities and new normal, but normal is a drier setting. But yeah, yeah, is a drier setting. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot myself is I'm on the downside of steroids, which is a steroids are the most wonderful drug in the world and one of the worst. Yeah. I say not a fan. The one time that I was on dexamethasone during this period of time over this year that you've been having my own adventure. I was like, if you ever try to get me to take that again, I'm going to punch you in the face. I feel that way until I hit a certain point. Yeah. And it seems like the only thing. But the point but is, isn't the steroids. The dexamethasone didn't do crap for the problem. Oh, oh. That it was supposed to, so it was like, I felt really speedy. And really yeah. tense and, you know, what you know all the stuff that you get with steroids. And it didn't actually help. So I'm like, oh. do not well, ask that, me to take that again right. because, no. If it helped, I would have probably right. felt a little less face punchy yeah. about right. it. For me, each time I've taken steroids, whether it's for MS flares or this back stuff, it has always been magic in how fast and how well. It's yeah, when it its works, purpose. it's great. And when something works, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter yeah. what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to keep doing this. Planning, <laughs> it's all in the planning. But yeah, that's right. the thing. People who do not have to concern themselves with any kind of physical incapability or whatever, it's just, it's not something that they have to think about. And having been in that crowd for 60 odd years, even though I had a lot of empathy and understanding and would, when I was making plans with disabled friends 
would make sure that I thought through, like, where am I asking them to go? What am I asking them to do? And making sure that I hadn't done something stupid. But at the same time, it's just, you don't realize how much the world is really set up for people who can leap tall buildings at single bounds and how much of the world is not set up for anybody who can't do that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think there's also, for me, it's been on a couple of levels. The main one is playing my horn. Yeah. I can play 10 minutes. And 10 minutes is a tune. 10 minutes is not sufficient. And I'm waiting on a system device, hopefully, that's going to help me. But it's interesting thinking about, okay, maybe I should start playing a kazoo. Which horn is it? I play a baritone saxophone. Baritone sax, yeah. So it's like a 25-pound horn. That's a good, that's a good oh, size. It's horn. a big horn. That's a big old horn. Yeah. And I love it. And I have played clarinet in the past and I have played an alto sax in the past. And, but I don't want to. Thinking about, okay, is this my new reality? And, okay, so what does that mean? So I think that part of it is, as you're describing, is the logistical, practical, okay, these are the capabilities today. What does that mean? In terms of going to the bathroom, wherever you are, right, or getting in the door or out of the door, whatever. But then I'm also finding it's the, oh my God, this is the new me. Do I like this? It's I am, this is, oh man, this is the new me. Challenge to your ability to adapt, certainly. And yeah, I having going through this, like a version or like a small slice of it myself currently with the mobility issues presented by bone mitts yeah. that have settled into my hip and pelvis and lower spine. It's just, it's been an interesting journey. Again, the empathy piece, not as though I was, I considered myself the most empathetic person in the on the planet, but I realized that even I, who thought I was doing okay, fell short in some things that one assumes about stuff. Yeah. But it's certainly put on my mind now. And if I don't think it's going to happen. But if I do fully regain total mobility, I'll be really grateful for that. But in the meanwhile, in in my current situation, whatever I can do, I will try to do. And whatever I can't do, I will figure try to figure out a hack. We are calling ourselves patient hackers. People who confront the medical industrial complex and have needs beyond yeah, okay, you're fine. See you again next year. Right. People who have healthcare needs beyond the nobody, yeah, I don't need that. I'm okay. You have to figure out how to work the system. Hacking. You have to figure out how to work the system so you get what you need or your family gets, if right. you're a family right, caregiver, right. et cetera. We're all hacking this all the time. And I think that it does a disservice to people who fix broken problems, broken issues, things that aren't working for them or for their communities. We're all hackers in that sense. It's good to talk to you, and I look forward to seeing you. Forward to seeing you too. This, like I said, it's pretty much a mortal lock unless good. they cancel the good. con. We, we're going to observe proper protocols, but we will still love the hell out of each other. However, we do it. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, dear. It just it, the things I've learned 
in the journey this year have been, it's a never ending journey, this learning as I was getting ready to depart from my birthday dinner is cancer can't kill me yet. I have too many problems to hack, fix in healthcare. So fuck cancer. I ain't done. I ain't quitting till I'm dead. And then I want you all to carry me off the battlefield on my shield and then keep fighting because that's the only way we're going to hack this universe into a more human friendly place. Let's just say that Casey's health is not great. You can see us two baldies talking to each other after the space of about a year. Casey's had COVID, chemo, starting with palliative care. We recorded on October 28th, 2022. I published an audio and video episode on November 26th. Casey never did publish this episode, although she did publish a hashtag Mets Party update, Can We Has More Pope, Please, on December 2nd. Links in the show notes. Hello, my love. Hello, dear. How are you? What's going on? What's new? What's new? What's new? I'm working on a series about young adults with mental illness. Okay, that's useful. Yeah, it's been fascinating. Pulling it together and meeting people and thinking about the scope of it and finding people with lived experience to share their story so it's rooted in reality yeah exactly tell us about your health just say it's not great i went through let's see at the beginning of this year things looked okay other than i did get a mild case of omicron a breakthrough i guess it was like the first week of january but everything seemed to be just bumping along But then in April and May, my kidney function started to look funky. Right. Technical term. And June, I was in the way of needing to see a nephrologist. And there was some deep concern about kidney failure. And the last thing in the world I want to deal with right now is dialysis. So I was working on, okay, how do we get past this? And they also, at the same time, were <clears throat> strongly suspecting that it was because of the treatment I was on. Okay. The oral medication that I was on for my cancer. That was part of the problem because there were a lot of other issues around anemia and calcium levels. And things just kept going further and further down into the chute. And then that led to me being hospitalized twice, once in August and once in September. And they had taken me off the medication I was on, the breast cancer medication. I stopped taking that. I want to say it was in June, but it took a while. My kidneys are okay, not great, but they're no longer in kidney failure zone. Occasionally, they have to hit me with a drug called Zometa that is, what that does is it reduces blood calcium levels. And 
they haven't had to hit me with that for, I guess, like a month or so now. So that's good. I'm on traditional chemo now versus the oral medication I had been on. I'm on a class of drugs called taxanes. As we're sitting here looking at each other, people will be listening to this. But yes, all my hair fell out. But that's fine. I'm not going to I'm not going to cry over spilled hair. Why why worry about it? It's right. like there are other things that are more important like getting this cancer under control. I had a CT scan yesterday. Oh, okay. A progression scan and things are at a stasis point. There's a spot on my liver that's been there for a little while. I did end up with a broken rib. I was pretty sure it was a broken rib. And that was a pathologic fracture, the way that the cancer, what's in my bones, in my spine. And I had broken ribs, visible, healed broken ribs, visible on an MRI last year. When I felt like I had a broken rib, I was pretty sure it's a broken rib. And it was. The pain has passed off now, blessedly, because that was pretty awful. Yeah. But that the pain itself only lasted for, I guess it was like a week or so, maybe 10. It wasn't that bad. But they're talking about maybe doing another round of radiation in that area just to, we'll see. But I'm chemo-brained badly at this point. I can still work on audio and video editing and projects that I do, the stuff that I do for medical journals and societies, but through a major publishing house. But other, I can't write. I can't write to explain right now. I had to turn down a writing project that was worth a few thousand dollars this month just because I can't, I'm just not in the zone where I can write like that right mm-hmm. now. And they're infusing me every three weeks. I go in for another infusion next Thursday. And the cadence seems to be that the first week to 10 days is the worst of the chemo brain, Wow! I think. We'll see. It's the one question I keep forgetting to ask. And I will remember to ask next week when I have my appointment with my oncologist. How many of these do you see us doing? And because every three weeks for 12 to 18 weeks, that's basically six months and or close to it. So that takes me well into next year. And now I'm concentrating on small stuff. I still want to get back in the pool. So how's your spiritual health? I'm doing okay. Spiritually, I am seeing or talking to a palliative care group. And I'm okay. I can't say that I don't. There's good days and bad days. I'm okay. I don't know, like, where we're headed with this. Short term, long term. But I'm just waiting for signal. And there may not be, and who knows? I, who knows? But again, I'm the progression scan thing didn't really give us anything to hang our hat on yet. Yes, they confirmed that I did have a broken rib. 
there's a little bit of ground glass in my lungs. They're thinking maybe that's a leftover from the COVID thing. Although mm-hmm. my COVID infection was so minimal. Okay. But I'm just, you know, every day I wake up and it's a day and I live through it. And then mm-hmm. we do it again the next day. Yeah. And as long as that keeps happening, I'll keep pressing forward. Can I ask you some not health related questions? Sure. Okay. So, When you look back on your career as an activist, how do you recognize success in your work? Because what we're all trying to do is such a huge heavy lift and giant pivot, a long established hierarchical setup process industry whatever you want to call healthcare i don't know every once in a while here's something that gives me a sense that there's some potential change that has happened but pretty much everything is going to be recognizable more in a look back than it's going to be anything that you can see happening like in real time around you and i think my own measure of success, I don't know that I have one. Okay. I just get up every day and go and do what I do. If I hear somebody saying something that I know I've been saying for a decade, but I never heard them or that group say it before, yeah, that's progress. That's progress. And that's progress. Right. We managed to create a little bit of something there. We'll see. Yeah. But that, that's the, we'll do a test or we'll do a pilot. The thing that, that I see too many sort of industrial side players getting trapped in though, is that death by a thousand pilots. They do a thousand pilots, and, yeah. but they never actually do an entire system through their entire system. Yeah. They don't actually like flush through the whole thing and change their processes enough mm-hmm. to make it truly patient-centered, patient-focused, yeah even patient-led, in some cases, they could do with some patient leadership. And that's why organizations like PCORI, the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, and other international groups, are. that's one of the reasons that they came into existence, is to at least try to push some of that through. But again, we're dealing with this huge hierarchical structure that's been built over millennia, not very scientifically based, let's say 2,000 years ago. We've gotten a little better in the last couple hundred years, but we're still tripping over ourselves as a species, discovering things and figuring out maybe that idea about the leeches was not a good idea. There's still some <laughs> leech stuff yeah. that's left lying around. Mm-hmm. Um, why do we keep doing something if it's meaningless or if it's just because it's the way we've always done things. So that's why we're doing it this way. Looking at processes and systems and saying, why do we do it this way? Is there perhaps another approach we can take that would be either safer, faster, more effective? Pick your descriptor. But trying to think 
of new pathways and new ideas that go beyond just a scientific experiment. And the other battle that drives me crazy is this whole qual versus quant or, yes. or the qualitative versus quantitative. Everybody wants their numbers and they want their little data sets and they want it very scientifically. We titrated this and it was a chemical formula and we did a, we did algorithms and it was all about the data and the numbers and the statistics. And that's that, that when it's quantitative, then we know it's real. But it's qualitative. That's soft skills. And that's just people talking to each other. And we don't see any science in that. What the hell? Wait a minute. No, that's not right. But we're still in that zone. Yeah. So if you think about our mutual audiences, what advice do you have for us in these trying times? Do you think that Oh, it's this really works. I found this over and over. This works, and prime you because I know one of the things you'll say is build relationships across bridges. Is something you've said since the moment I met you? Yeah, Um, you got to bust the silos. You got to break down those the communication channel silos as much as you need to break down. The silos of between data exchange, et cetera. Yeah. What else? I don't know. We've got globally and then our own in the US of A thing. Uh, there's a huge species wide challenge. We've got so many things confronting us right now, everything from the fact that. We've managed to screw the climate almost beyond recognition. And also the rights of individuals as citizens seems to have become less important than the rights of some rich people who get to basically buy governments and put their little puppets in there and have it all be the entire system of everything. Set up to reward them, these very uh, a small percentage of humanity, and the rest of us can all just basically go between the United States and then the rest of the quote unquote developed world or the, the world that observes democracy as an actual process. Although that's an open question right now, given the way that democracies in many ways are behaving. You just look at the UK and the US and between us, we're such a hot mess. It's hard to really wrap your head around how really bad things are. If you sit and think about the macro picture too much, though, Mm -hmm. you can end up stuck because there's just so much that's wrong, that we thought we were making progress, but this feels, instead of the two steps up and one step back, it's like we took two steps up and now we're rolling back three centuries. It's, it's wait a minute, are we going back to the feudal state now? And are we all going to just basically be sitting at the foot of the castle walls waiting for the nobles to throw some scraps out so that we can eat this week? Or paper and, towels. Um, 
that's where we're at. Thank you. This is lovely. Thanks for doing this with me. Bald is beautiful and shows on the outside. Brain fog seems to be something to feel on the inside. On the outside today, Casey sounds lucid and humorous, can spin a yarn, and offer some wisdom. On the other hand, I get feedback from my family that I don't make sense to them when I feel together on the inside. Nevertheless, I'll pray for Casey and her sister. Bald is beautiful and shows on the outside. Brain fog on the inside freaks me out. Last time I spoke with Casey in mid-March, she didn't sound lucid or humorous, and she couldn't spin a yarn or offer wisdom. Casey impacts me, us, in the patient caregiver movement. I'll pray for Casey and her sister Cece. Jan Oldenburg and I commit to saving an archive of Casey's work. We'll be calling on you. I host, write, edit, engineer, and produce Health Hats, the podcast. Kayla Nelson provides website and social media consultation and disseminates the podcast across social media. Leon Van Leeuwen edits the article grade transcript. Joey Van Leeuwen supplies musical support, composing, and arranging, especially for the podcast intro and outro. I play Barry Sachs on some episodes alone and with the Lechuga Fresca Latin Band. I'm grateful to you who have the most critical roles as listeners, readers, and watchers. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com, and my YouTube channel, at dvanlu, D-V-A-N-L-E-U. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. See you around the block. <laughs>